as technology moves forward, it's going to change the way the commerce works. So there's you got to be aware that nothing stays the same in e-commerce. It never stays. It's constantly moving from iteration to iteration. See where you can find your market and measure it. Then once you start getting some resonance with the community, ask them why is it working. Once you start finding that avatar, like John was saying, like it's time to double down on them, cater to them, speak their language, understand that community. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. This is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady. I wanted to invite you to a special edition of the Small Biz Chat podcast. That's right. I got two heavy hitters with us today. I've got my boy, my hokey brother, the author of the brand new book, Get Different. Mike Michalowicz is here. You guys know him. He wrote Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. He wrote The Pumpkin Plan. He wrote Profit First. I know y'all know about Profit First. And he wrote this book called Fix This Next. But his latest book that literally just came out a couple of days ago, Get Different, is out. And he's going to be here to talk about that book and a whole lot more. But not to be outdone, my brother from another mother. John Lawson is here. John Lawson is one of the top e-commerce experts in the country. Let me break this down for you guys. Let me, let me, let me break this down for you guys. This dude has made eight figures selling on marketplaces like Amazon and eBay. Okay. So if you're wondering why they're here today, this is what I'm trying to tell you. These people know what they're doing. And I got to be honest with you guys, when I need help with my business, these are the guys that I call. So basically, I have made my mentors available to you guys today. And that's all because I wanted to thank you guys for being so generous and buying my book, my brand new book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, Revised and Expanded, which came out just a week ago. And I'm so proud earlier today, I saw we were ranking number two and number five on home-based businesses on Amazon. So the Kindle, y'all buying it on Kindle, y'all buying the real book, and you guys are buying the e-audible version as well. And I voiced the Audible version. So if you wanted me to read it to you, you got to get the Audible version. But I am so, so, so excited to have my guests here today. You guys, I know you're so, so busy, Mike. So I thank you so much for being here. And John, you always come whenever I call. And that's what a good brother does, right? So listen, let's jump in, right? There's so much stuff going on right now. You know, we got all these businesses still recovering from the pandemic. And then we got all these people in corporate America who are like, you know what? I'm not coming back into the office, right? So we got this, what are they calling it? The great resignation going on. So now all these people are like, yeah, you know what? Small business could be for me. So, Mike, what's going on? Why are all these people deciding to come over here and be with us? Yeah, so uh, I'm calling it the great realignment. You know, I, I think the great resignation is a little bit of a negative term, like that people are just giving up. I think they're they're giving up on what they don't like, but they're realigning to what they do like. 
And there's no question, we, you know, we're talking off air to the three of us. There's no question that people are seeing the greatness that exists in entrepreneurship. There's two things. You can achieve personal freedom, meaning to do what you desire on this planet. And your and entrepreneurship, your business can be a platform for it. The other thing is financial freedom. You can unequivocally make more money on your own than you can working for someone else. Now, that does not mean it's easy. It, it's not a snap of the fingers. You need, I'm sorry, I love your book. You need a very specific pathway to follow and you have to put a lot of grit into it. But when you pull it off, I think the great realignment will work in your favor. I agree. I agree. John, what about you? I mean, it seems like everybody that wants to start a business right now thinks e-commerce is the way to go, but you can get hurt out here in e-commerce land. Can't you? I mean, talk to me about the, the, the speed with which people can get into business and the speed with which people can get hurt. So let's talk about that. Well, one of the things I think that people have made are the platforms have made it easy to get started in e-commerce, right? So you've got Shopify out here that's making it stupid simple. 20 years ago when I started in e-commerce, yes, I am that old. When I started, <laughs> it was, I mean, it would cost you $15,000 to $25,000 to start a business on online and build a store. With stuff like Shopify, you can get that up and running for, you know, 75 bucks maybe. And that's really what the great equalizer is. It's technology. Technology is making it stupid simple to get your products in front of an audience. And then you throw on the Amazons and the Ebays of the world, the marketplaces, Etsy as well, you're getting put in front of an already built out audience. You don't have to do all that work. You just have to get attention now. We are mm -hmm. in the age of attention. And if I can get enough attention from enough consumers that are interested in a product, I can start a business. That's the easy part. At least that's the way they present it to you. The hard part is to get a business that is profitable and running because you've got a lot of expenses. You've got inventory you have to buy. You have to know how to market, which we're going to talk about. So there's things that you need to do to fill in the blanks. And of course, your book does really good at helping people fill in those blanks. Well, when I wrote Become Your Own Boss, what I was really trying to do was teach people the business of running a business because everybody pretty much can build their widget, right? People know how to bake their cakes. People are good at pest control. What they're not good at is running a business, building their sales systems, follow-up systems, building their team, you know, and really understanding that they are a leader but that they have to work on their leadership. Like just because you own a business doesn't make you a leader. It makes you somebody that owns a business, right? So I think that there's so much more to it. And then it's the personal toll that it takes. Nobody tells you about the personal toll it takes on your family, on your kids, when you're working 12 to 14 hours 31 days in a row, right? You know, and you've got to take into account. And that's why I always talk about life plan first. You got to figure out what you want and why you want it. And then let's help you build a business that's going to allow you to live that way. Sometimes I see people quit good six-figure corporate jobs to start a franchise. And then later on, they're like, but I don't like kids and teenagers were my employees. Right. Okay, well, 
Did you go work in a business like the one you wanted to start? I mean, literally, it's, it's, it's kind of as simple as that. But I think sometimes people have gotten into this. I want to be a boss. You know, every, everybody's a boss. And we have, have built these fantasies of grandeur a little bit about business. And business is great. But tell me if I'm right or wrong, fellas. There's an upfront hazing process involved in business, right? I mean, you don't, you're not going to make truckloads of money right away. In fact, what does it take about 12 to 18 months for a small business to break even, let alone get to the point where it's going to replace your corporate salary? Like that could be year three, right? So I think we have to just, what I always wanted to do was just give people a realistic idea of what it was to start a business. Because I just wanted to give, because I think it can be overwhelming because it's like, look, you're taking on 10 to 12 jobs at one time, any of which can clothesline you on any given day, right? So that was what my thinking was when I was about my seventh or eighth year in business was when I started working on Become Your Own Boss. And I wrote it because I was like, you know what? I would have run my business better if I had had better advice. Mm. But back then, yeah. Back then, who was giving out small business information in mass media back then? Like nobody. I mean, Michael Gerber at that point had written, you know, the e-myth, but it wasn't like the only people on TV talking about business and finance was Susie Orman and Gene Chasky on the Today Show. And what they were talking about 401ks and stuff, stuff that, you know, business people don't necessarily have right away. So I think that when we think about business, we want people to get excited. I want people to have a passion for what they're doing, but your passion has to have a profit center or you got a glorified hobby. Am I right, Mike? You're totally right. And it's funny, something you alluded to earlier is if I just had a plan, if I just had a mentor, I think it was Mike Tyson who said something, and I'm going to paraphrase that everyone has a plan to beat Mike Tyson until they get in the ring and take that first punch in the face. Right. which by the way, would split my face wide open and I'd be instantly dead. So that's my plan. But when we go into entrepreneurship, I can't tell you, Melinda, and I know, John, you've experienced this so many times that people say, oh, I'm going to have a six-figure business. I'm going to have a seven-figure business. We all talk about this top-line big number, and we assume that it's way easier than it is. It ain't. And that when we achieve it, we'll have all the money in the world. You know, Once I hit a million dollars, I'm going to be taking home a million bucks. Most businesses oh. who don't have a plan get to a million dollars by spending $1.2 million. They lose in the process. So we have to go in. And also, I acknowledge you nailed on the head. What do we want for ourselves? What is a healthy business serving a healthy lifestyle for us? Start there and then build accordingly. I believe the right size business will fill will find you. If you really know what you want intrinsically and start building a business around it, Maybe you don't need that multi-million dollar business to live a very happy lifestyle. Start with you. I couldn't agree more. But, you know, one of the things that I find so interesting is that the pandemic changed a lot. Like the business has changed a lot in the last 18 months, especially how people market. Yeah. And and Mike, that's where you live in right now. So it's because it, I feel like. I see so many people out here chasing stuff with everybody's chasing TikTok now, you know, and it's like, okay, is it about doing what everybody else is doing or doing what's hot right now? Does everybody need a TikTok account, Mike? Yeah, everybody that needs a TikTok account are the same people that needed a 
What was the one with the, the audio only? My, well, MySpace and oh, you know, no, Clubhouse. 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 Yeah. Clubhouse. Yeah. So, so, so you, last year you wanted Clubhouse. This year you want TikTok. The year before that you wanted Instagram. I know you people. I know you people. You're chasing and it's not going to work. Right. I, I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to work. There's 800,000, 800 million, 800 million people going to TikTok every month. 800 million. That's a lot of people, isn't it? There's 2 billion people that go to YouTube every month, but you right. chasing TikTok. Why? Because right. you just, it's the hot thing right now. It sounds good. Your kids think it's fun. But I remember when that was Clubhouse. How many of y'all are still doing Clubhouse? Okay. I have you got a, an account. <laughs> I got an account. Every what? now and then somebody invites me to go in there, but I don't I don't have time to go in there or any kind but of the key is pick a lane and stick in it. There are people right now that are making great businesses out of Clubhouse. You don't need to jump over to TikTok. Pick a lane. That's what I'm all about. You know, you want to get in front of an audience, one that works, one that's the audience that is actually going to listen to or already are listening to influencers in that area, jump into the conversation that's already happening. All right, I'm done. That's <laughs> well, the same thing with me. That, that's, right. that's gold. It just rained gold. So, John, thank you. I, I, what John was talking about is is mediums, right? So pick the medium you're in. And so I want to touch on the other part, which is the method. So once you have the medium you're using, how are you communicating? I'll tell you how things change in the pandemic. Some people use the email medium. A lot of companies do that. They do email blasts. And what people were doing, some companies ineffectively, is they were doing pandering. There was emails coming from a, a large company, I won't mention their name, uh, called Chevy, just saying, uh, that said, they, I was looking to buy a car and my lease was coming to an end. And they said, we are all in this together. If I heard one more effing time, we're all in this together, I don't want to be pandered to. And they said, we're all in this together, so you need to buy another Chevy. Like, you're, you're trying to leverage a hardship for so many people and, and spin this to a sale? Screw you. United right. Airlines, ironically, who I travel and don't like necessarily, blew me away. They sent out email messages saying, during this pandemic, we don't know what you're experiencing. We just want to know you were wishing you well. And so that was nice. First of all, they acknowledged what they didn't know. So I was like, that's cool. Then they said, we are taking action on your behalf without you having to do anything. You're a loyal member. Uh, we're going to extend your loyalty program another year. Just wishing you well. They weren't selling me. They were just servicing me. The smartest thing small businesses did was reach out to their client list and say, hey, we don't know how this pandemic is affecting you. We're wishing you well. We just want you to know we're still open for business. You may not even know that. So if you need us, when you need us, we're here waiting for you. That was a smart thing. I don't think hardship is an opportunity to sell. Hardship is an opportunity to acknowledge. I agree. I agree. But one of the things that I thought was so fascinating was how we all started buying everything online. You know, oh, my yeah. mother, my mother, who is 73, now uses Instacart. Holy uses, smokes. Uses Instacart. And, you know, this is the person who wouldn't even set up an online bank account because she didn't trust them people, right? I mean, this is the same person who now can go on Instacart and get her groceries delivered. And I saw a statistic the other day, and, and I know you appreciate this, John, that said by 2040, 
95% of all purchases are going to take place online. That's, that's like every, that means, that means we're buying cars online. We're buying shoes online. We're buying toilet paper online. Like that means people aren't going to leave their house again. What? I mean, is that real, John? I mean, um, no, that's not real. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to stick a pin in it. That's a bubble. I wish. I wish. And it's funny. I was just speaking in Florida the other day and the guy asked me the question similar to that. And I said, my number is probably around 50, 55 percent, maybe 50 to 60 percent of all things. I think that's the high watermark. Right. Because even right now, last year, it was still only 25 percent. And that's with the pandemic. With the pandemic. Mm. Right. Because, look, there is just certain things that we as humans have become accustomed to that we're just not going to do online, right? Or only to so much of an extent. We have to get out. We have to communicate. I mean, we're doing this thing right now on Zoom. It's fantastic, but it's not the same as if we're sitting in the room, right? And so we know that. And when it comes to, you know, shopping, Shopping is actually something that people do together, right? I know, I know the malls are closing. I get it, right? But when you and some of your friends want to get together, you might go and do some shopping. When me and my friends to get, get together, we're going to go look at some computers or something. We'll, we'll do stuff together. That's part of us being social, right? And you can't do that by yourself all the time. It will just it would just won't happen. So there's just a there's a there's a number that's ingrained that people are going to go out and do. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people buying their furniture, their bedding, their clothes and apparel online. Right. But also, there's nothing like trying that thing on to see how it looks on you. Right. And there's nothing like window shopping. And just trying stuff on, even though I'm not even going to buy right now. It gets it, it gets me that tactile feeling that I don't think we have yet. Now, when, you know, Star Trek comes and we have that hole in the wall where we can say something to it and it appears in the wall, then I'll get you to 95%. I don't see that happening by 2040. That's just my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. What do you think, Mike? I mean, it, it, it does seem like e-commerce is the future. Say yes, so, Mike. Uh, you know, John said you know, he predicts 55% in 2040. I predict 56%. I knew he was going to. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, price is right. It's got to be one point higher. You know, John's, when John said the tactile, it, it actually gave me a little bit of goosebumps. I couldn't think of a better word for it. You know, we are at our highest rate of societal depression ever right now, the highest rate of depression. And the common factor is exclusion from each other, to John's point. We need to shop for that computer together. You know, one common therapy they're saying right now is simply get outside physically with your shoes off, get your bare feet in the ground. We need that tactile experience. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the numbers are going to be. I do know that we need to touch, feel, and be with each other experiencing things together. That, there, there's no question about that. Well, Mike, in your book, Get Different, you, you really talk about 
how it's not about being better at anybody else's marketing. It's about being different. Can you talk to us a little bit about like what you mean by that? Because how many new ideas are there under the sun, Mike? Oh my God. I mean, there's millions, right? And uh, I think we're all told that you win when you're better, but better is invisible. Say the three of us had businesses and we all compete. We all, you know, say dry cleaners or something. And I say, you know what? Our dry cleaner, we're going to answer the phone in three rings. And John's like, you know, our dry cleaner, we're going to answer in two. And Melinda, you say, we're going to do it in one. Unequivocally, you are better, Melinda. I mean, you are measurably better. But the question is, does the customer even notice? No, no, that's not even necessarily a buying factor. And we can try to be better in all these areas. I used to have a computer service business. I was a computer guy. And uh, I had all the certifications from Microsoft back in the day. This is 25 years ago, Novell and all these different systems. And I could brag how extraordinary I was, but my customer didn't notice. In fact, me and my hundreds of competitors were always just trying to slog it out by being better. One company came in and did different and they kicked my ass to Sunday. And who it was, was Geek Squad. Here's a, a group that decides to wear these costumes with flood pants and taped up glasses and customers went wild because we notice different. We are wired as a human nature. We're wired when something unexpected presents itself, we consider it. And then if it's in alignment with what we want, it entertains us. It serves a need we have, maybe a combination thereof. We consume it. Who, who doesn't want a geek fixing their computers? And it's funny when they show up in their Keystone Cops cars. So <laughs> different gets noticed. Don't be better because the customer won't see that. Pursue different. I like it. I like it. Well, John, one of the things that I know that we've always talked about is you got to know your customer. You've got to know not just who your customer is, but you got to really know them, right? You got to know them. What are their aspirations? What are their fears? What, what, what inspires them? And how, but how do you get that information? information if you're just you know building a business in the back bedroom of your house like how do you get because it's one thing for us to say um moms 30 plus professionals educated live in the suburbs has a master's degree it's like okay that's demographic information but how do we get that i guess what we call is that ethnographic information like how do we get the other stuff and figure out what people really want so that we can create an emotional connection with them. Well, one of the things that I really uh, adhere to and teach is creating an avatar, okay? And an avatar is just basically a persona that you are going to service. Who do I, who is my best customer that I really want to service? And then narrow that down to an individual with a name. Okay, so you're going to know about Betty. She works at this company. She makes this much a year. She's got two children. She lives in this kind of house. She's married. She's she likes baking on the weekends, whatever it is. You want to just narrow down all of these things. Here's what she loves. Here's what she fears. All of this stuff. You create this single persona. Now you've made Betty. Then I need you to make Jack. All right. If if your business serves male and female, I need you to make a female one and a male one. And then I kind of like people to make a third one, which can be either younger than the other two, older than the other two, something that's different from the male and the female, not like a hybrid or anything. You know what I'm saying? 
but just something that makes them a little bit different. Then you have these three personas. And everything you do with marketing has to relate to one of those three. And if you know you're just talking to Betty and you're trying to create some kind of, you know, uh, social campaign for Betty, this is for Betty. Then you, once you reach Betty, do you know how many Bettys there are in the world? A lot. So it's really just about, like Mike says, it's, it's about being different. If I am relating to Betty, where she is and all the problems and all the things that are, are motivating for her, she thinks I get her. Mm-hmm. And I do get her, you know, because we don't advertise. We advertise to the world, but the world only looks at our advertising singly. And so you've got to be able to talk to people on a one-to-one level. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I talk, when I'm looking at people's, you know, marketing stuff, if it's full of you guys and y'all and people like, I'm like, can we personalize this to just Betty without using Betty's name? But can sure. we personalize the marketing? Because anytime we pick up this thing, we're not doing it in a group. You notice that, right? People mm-hmm. are doing this by themselves. So if you want your marketing to reach them, you got to talk directly to them. And when they see that, they're going to move forward. I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> she said, where are you located? She, she said, said, where, where you... am I located? <laughs> but no, you were talking about, you know, how, how to market to these people. And that's what you really, we've really got to start doing. Because if you're not doing that, you're going to market something to everybody. And guess what? If you're marketing to everybody, you're marketing to nobody. Exactly. If everybody can use it, nobody will. So Mike, you believe that there are like some critical decisions that people need to make about their business at each stage of marketing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the truth bombs from what John said. I see it so much that people do this broad marketing because they see themselves talking to everybody, but the recipient means you're talking to someone else. Yeah. There's different stages of marketing. You know, it depends on what your business is looking to achieve. I I think In the beginning, we do have to try out multiple markets. When I started out, I thought my avatar was college students because I started my business right out of college, uh, right out of Virginia Tech. And I was like, oh, this is what other students will do. So I was speaking with students groups, but they weren't consuming. So the early stages of marketing is putting stuff out there based upon your best assumptions, but measuring the results. And you, you should do that throughout. It was hard for me to digest. People weren't buying my stuff. People weren't buying my books. And I was like, well, this isn't working until I started getting calls from moms uh, who said, Hey, I read your book because my child brought, you know, my student at college brought it home and left it here. And I was intrigued by a title. So I read it. And then you have to start doing surveys. So the, in the beginning is see where you can find your market and measure it. Then once you start getting some resonance with the community, ask them, why is it working? So I said to these moms, I'm like, why are you reading my book? It was called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur too. It's kind of edgy. They said, oh, because this is one of the first books I read by a male author that wasn't pandering to a female audience. You're just putting it out there as is and you believe in me through your book just as much as anyone else. So I feel supported by this. Once you start finding that avatar, like John was saying, like it's time to double down on them, cater to them, speak their language, understand that community. I remember going to to, to events. And um, I learned very quickly when you're the only male and in a female audience, when you first walk in the room, everyone's like, who's the creep? Like, who's this weirdo? <laughs> so you really quickly got to dispel that. 
But there was also a power when you are different than the community you're serving, when you are the minority of one, as the only male in an all-female audience, you can be embraced by the audience. Because everyone's like, oh, I want to be pals with Mike. I want to show that I accept Mike. When you're a minority of a few, that's when it becomes a problem. I went to some events and there's like two or three male authors there. And that was like the creep faction over there. No one would talk with us. So you start positioning yourself to be always a minority of one, present yourself to be the unique one. So I would go to these events and say, hey, can I just be the first person to speak before the other guys came? And then I was embraced again. And we can do this in our marketing. Once we know our avatar, do something that no one else is doing. That's a different factor. So you feel like you're, 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 the, you're the minority of one and the community will embrace you. Then another stage of marketing is once you have your Uber fans and some people will really fall in love with the stuff you have, give them the script to promote it out there. They, they want to put the word out there, but they're just doing it on their own. Like you got to check out Melinda's stuff. You know, Melinda's amazing. And that's wonderful. But you can also give them a script and say, I appreciate your support so much. Why don't we join uh, together as a street team? And here's some things you can do. Now you have some rhythm going on automatic marketing. And the last thing I want to share is there's a danger. Some businesses at the high stage get to the point where they say, you know what? All my opportunities come through client referrals. I'm so proud. hundred percent of my opportunities come from client referrals. I think that's wonderful. That's an acknowledgement of the quality of your service or product, but also you're at the whim of your customers doing your marketing. So at the final stage of growth, if you will, in marketing, don't stop marketing. This is when you double down. That reputation of clients is excellent, but you must find your platform, your medium, be it Clubhouse or not, or email or not, but find your specific medium that John was sharing, have your method there so that you can control flow of your leads. I love it. I love it. And I think you're exactly, exactly right. All right, John, I've got a question for you. Should I sell on my website or should I sell on a marketplace? <laughs> That's an easy answer. Uh, all right. Answer it for me. <laughs> Wherever you are, I guarantee you the grass is always greener on the other side, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. there is no answer to that question. Everybody hates what they do and look at the other person's like, man, I should get one of those, right? <laughs> That's what it always is. But I'm going to tell you, it's, it's probably 50-50. Once okay. you get though, let's say you've gotten marketplaces down. You've really, you've, you've, you've built your business and it's growing, and you've pretty much got a good share of the pie. Yes, you're going to try to get more and more market share from being on that platform. But also at the same time, I think at some level, you want to take about 10 or 15% of that effort and start putting it towards your own website and website sales, right? If the, uh, the other way around, if you're doing everything on your website and it's jumping and it's moving hard, I think you should take 10 or 15% and put it over and look at marketplaces as long as that's something that you can do. So I, I think it needs to be one of those things that's a mix because you never know, man. I mean, if, if we never took the time to do Amazon and we just stayed where we were, I don't think we would have ever grew to the level that we did. Amazon was very instrumental in that. Right now, Shopify is doing major things. I'm looking at now putting a Shopify store together because, hey, they're doing some pretty good things over here. That might be the next move. One thing with e-commerce is the E. I'm going to say that one more time. 
The thing about e-commerce is the E. The commerce automatically happens, right? Commerce is as old as the Bible or older than the Bible, right? Because people were selling and <laughs> trading things, you know, when they were in caves. The E part is electronic, right? Obviously. But the deal is, is that as the as we were talking before, as technology moves forward, it's going to change the way the commerce works. So there's you got to be aware that nothing stays the same in e-commerce. It never stays. It's constantly moving from iteration to iteration. As computers get faster, we got to get faster. As ad adoption becomes mobile, we have to move with mobile. So that's the thing about e-commerce. You want to kind of be in all areas because before you know it, the, the rest of the pack behind you are going to catch up and leapfrog you into something else that you're not even paying attention to. Hey, right. Melinda, I, I want to flip the script on you. You're a big promoter of online sales systems. How does that correlate? Well, when I think about online sales systems, to me, it always starts with the website. Like if your website sucks, you don't really need to be out here doing anything else until you that because that's your number one sales tool. And it's like the welcome mat into your business. Then after you get your website going, then it's like, okay, what is my content strategy? How am I going to demonstrate my expertise and teach people what I have to offer? Even if you have a product-based business, you need a content strategy. And I'm and Mike, I mean, I'm going to ask you about that in a minute, John, but the other thing you've got to think about then is social media. And when it comes to social media, I'm like, one or two platforms is enough. If mm. you're out here doing five or six platforms, you're wasting your time. You, you really only need, I tell people all the time, I built my brand largely on Twitter. Like when back, you know, in 08, when Twitter was one years old, I worked Twitter nine to five, five days a week, like it was a job. And it didn't make me any money for almost two years. Mm. So I focused, I was consistent, I was helpful, I focused, you know, I shared other people's content before I even had a blog. And then when I started a blog, I would share my content out, but it was very, I was very intentional about my content because I knew, and but I was also intentional about the platform. We didn't do any other platforms but Twitter back then. And then eventually we branched to LinkedIn. Then eventually we branched to Facebook. And obviously, because I teach social media marketing, I'm on all six platforms because I have to be. But it's but when I built my business, that's not what I did. And so I'm glad that you asked me the question because I think it's important to tell people, listen, you can be a tycoon off of one platform. Mm. Don't feel like you got to be doing all of them. But then the other thing and the, and the biggest thing that I think people miss is email. Right. I mean, because what I don't think people understand is that the first time somebody sees your offer, they're not very likely to buy. You got it. You got to keep going after them. And it takes what, seven to 30 touches to turn an online visitor into a customer, unless you happen to catch somebody the day they need flowers and they find your flower shop. Okay, that happens. But the rest of us selling books and information, forget about it. You, 
I got to demonstrate for you that I'm the girl. I got to demonstrate for you over and over again that I can help you, that I can help you build your business and that I was just like you. And this is what happened. You know, I got to keep coming after you and demonstrating it and frankly, loving on you, right? Because the other thing about email is you got to give away your best stuff free. Please don't think you're going to give away mediocre stuff and then somebody's going to come back and buy from you. No, that's not how it works. So I think if you don't have those four pillars aligned, it doesn't, you you think you go out here and buy ads and do all this other stuff. If your website isn't ready for visitors, focus there first. That, that's what I think. Mm, love it. But, good but, but, but John, I do want to come after you because I want to ask you about the whole, the, the marketing piece with the email. I mean, do people have to buy ads in order to sell online or can you sell without ads? I mean, tell us the real deal. Um, here's the real deal, man. I love organic traffic, but I can't grow organic traffic the way I can pay traffic. Because if I've got an ad that's running and it's making me money, I can throw as much money at that ad and blow it up overnight. I can't do that with organic. So there's a difference. So it's like organic is almost like the duck, you know, feet under the water, you're going to constantly tread. You want to constantly tread those things. You want to work the organic stuff. But at the same time, once you, I use organic for testing. If mm. I see something that's really catching on in organic, then I can turn that into an ad and I can't guarantee it, but almost guarantee that it's going to work. Right. Mm. So at the same time, I could look at something else that's trending just naturally and organically with other people's stuff. And I can turn that also into an ad, throw some money at it, push it out, and it starts working. So I think if 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 given between the two things, I kind of dig paid. But I think that's just because of the way. You know, it's all about intention, man. If I can get you, if I know that you are intending to buy a refrigerator and I sell refrigerators, all I got to do is get my ad in front of people with that intention and I'll sell some refrigerator versus trying to teach you about refrigeration and lines and which which square footage you should, you know, I get it. That works too. Feel me? Right, right. No, I think I, I think it's. I feel bad. No, no. I, I, I wanted you're the one I wanted to ask, right? Like, who would who would be better to ask this question than you? Obviously, because I built a huge brand with a huge amount of organic search traffic, I have a different perspective on it. I right, never. But see, you're not selling refrigerators. Correct. You're selling information. Exactly. So see, I when have, you sell information, it's about the person. It's about Melinda. Right. So Melinda has to be brought up as the expert. And once she's the expert, which you are, then people come to you about, hey, how do I start a business that they ain't coming to me about shoelaces? Trust me. (laughs) I sell shoelaces. They ain't coming to me. All right. So, Mike, I got a question for you. How do you think a small business owner should evaluate a marketing idea? Well, John said it, you, you got to test. I, I love the test organic, explode it through paid. Uh, ironically, John, I literally just bought a refrigerator. I mean, just bought a refrigerator. 
which is kind of funny. And uh, one thing that that I noticed, I, I bought an LG refrigerator because it makes round ice cubes. I had to make a nice bourbon on a Friday night. And that was the selling point. I think one of the things we have to understand is our customers don't buy on everything. Like John said, the square footage, the size, the line, they buy on something specific that resonates with them. So we need to test early on and imply or, or employ uh, some form of measurement. There's a technique called keying. And uh, this is used by direct marketers all the time, but you can use it in anything, Facebook ads, anything. You can place a key. What is responding to them? And we can do forms of split testing. So I can sell a refrigerator and say it has round ice cubes. Uh, another one could say stores a huge amount of food. And then I can key each one. So one goes from perhaps to one page on my website. The other one goes to a different page on my website and measure which web page gets more traffic. That shows me which ad is working better. Always start low and let it grow. Don't try, you know, I'm going to broadcast this out to 100,000 prospective consumers and blow your wad on that. Instead, let's try with a few organic folks. Let's try on a small level, see what's getting traction, and then you double down on your bet. But also, you don't go all in. So, you know, if I see that the more food storage is actually beating the ice, uh, round ice, I'm going to go and do some more investing here. But if it doesn't scale the way anticipated, I may throttle it back and try yet another variant. And you build your way. And just like anything else, too, ads at a certain point, marketing expires. Something that works for a period of time won't work forever. And sadly, I think a lot of businesses I interviewed said, oh, this ad was working. It should work on to, into perpetuity. The more I put in, the more I get back. It's an ATM. No, they have a shelf life. At a certain point, you've saturated the market with that positioning, that marketing, and now it's going to start waning off and you have to try something new. Hey, Melinda. Yes. So I think you did really well with your with our pandemic time. And you did a real big overhaul of your book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. So can you tell me what was the motivation and what's all that about? What's the, what's the overall? What's changed? Well, for one... My publisher wouldn't give me any additional pages to update my book. So I had to cut to add. So, and then I had to rewrite the stuff that we were keeping. So really, there's only eight chapters in the new book that are like the old book. The rest of this thing is very different. So we cut six chapters, added six chapters, updated five or six more. So it's a very, very different book. But what made me do that was because what happened to everybody in the pandemic? You know, all of these businesses that just went down, got closed. So many African-American women-owned businesses just got hammered. And I was looking around going, oh my gosh, like I have to retool because I'm looking at what everyone needs. And what I saw was that people weren't positioned to sell online, got killed because people were not willing to come into your store. You know, if you weren't set up for takeout orders, you couldn't figure that stuff out. You really got hurt. And so what I really updated about the book was like all the marketing stuff. So really figuring out your target customer. We have a brand new chapter on how to build a social media brand. We also added a chapter on selling online. And I went hard in this chapter. I talked about how to sell on your own website and how to sell on a platform and how to buy ads, even how to buy ads on Amazon, because I don't even know that people knew you could buy ads on Amazon, right? So we really tried to give people the stuff that people were struggling with. 
And then I just went back and thought about over my 22 years in business and coaching entrepreneurs for the last 14 years, what are the things that I consistently saw people struggling with? Sales systems. So I built a chapter in the book, how to develop a sales process. Because I really, I I think Mm. a lot of people don't know how to generate leads. They don't have sales funnels. They don't understand value ladder and figuring out what all your offers are and upsells and downsells. Most people are like trying to have a little newsletter, right? You know what I mean? Like there, but there's a whole strategy behind email and follow-up and then ads, right? And so I really, because marketing is now so much more complicated. It used to be like, you kind of had to have a website. You had to have a decent website, but that was pretty much it. Now you got to understand SEO. You have to understand content. You got to be using the right social media platforms and you got to understand email. And you do at some point have to be in a position to buy ads. Uh, she told me before that she was having storms. Yeah. I yep. got the freeze on my side too. Did you? Okay. But yeah. while she's while she's frozen real quick, let me ask you about the dad method. Because oh, I want to know more about the dad. Yeah. So when I was writing Get Different, I found there's three elements to effective marketing. And I'd love to have a little dialogue back and forth on this, John. So the three key elements of effective marketing stands, uh, dad stands for different. First, if you do what's common among your competition, if everyone's marketing to the client base the same way, it's white noise. It's, it's invisible. We can't hear it. So do something that's different and uh, the prospect will see it. It's just like actually how we are wired as humanity. The second part, the A stands for attract. Attract means you know just being different is is catches attention, but doesn't mean that it compels people. I could dress like Bozo the Clown for this this meetup we did, and I'm sure everyone knows. Oh, who invited Bozo? But is that attractive or is that repelling people? They'd say, you know, this is not for me. So we need to speak also to what the audience desires, and that's serving a need, uh, serving an interest, invoking curiosity, or even entertaining. And the last D stands for direct. Direct is give the prospect a specific uh, action to take, and it needs to be something that's reasonable. So, John, if you're looking to, say, buy a car or something, and I'm like, hey, you come into my lot, I'm like, John, give me $100,000 and we'll find your dream car. You'd be like, uh, screw you. I mean, that's such a big risk. But if instead you were looking to buy a car and I said, hey, would you be willing to give me your cell number? I'll start taking pictures of our inventory here so we can find your dream car. That may be a reasonable direct, but there is a currency exchange there. I'm giving you information to help you in your decision. You're giving me information so I may communicate with you. And then we try to move toward the final transaction where you do get what you want, your dream car. I get what I want, which is my commission. What I found in marketing, if you're missing any of these dad elements, any of these three elements, you are destined to, to cripple your marketing. I've seen great ads. Like, like I've been to websites, so I'm, sure, I'm curious actually if you've seen this. I go to a website and the call to action button says, learn more. The whole reason I went to the website was to learn more. It, it confuses me. So you have to have these three elements to be wow. successful. That's funny. You know, learn more came from Facebook ads, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the first time I ever seen that button. And initially, that was the best performing button was to learn more versus, you know, buy now or any of those on Facebook. So I find that very interesting. Somebody had to tell those guys, hey, put learn more on there. That's the worst thing you should do. I mean, not on the site itself. 
no. has to bring you to the site. Right, right. So it makes sense to get this site. But then Pete, now I'm looping on the site. So give people a specific action. I'm actually curious when it comes to, to you, with when it comes to advertising, marketing, when do you know your marketing has run its course when it's time to wind it down? Well, it depends on each platform. I mean, you know, if you are tracking, it's, it's your KPIs, right? I mean, when you're tracking performance, once you start seeing this decline, it's like, okay, I could buy this customer for a dollar. Once it's starting to go up to $2, $3, at some point it doesn't become profitable. Yeah. So advertising does have a lifetime cycle, you know, and you just have to know and be watching like, you know, for every hundred people that it touches, how many times does it have to touch them? After three times, does it just, they don't pay any attention anymore. It's mm. like the Applebee's song right now. It's driving me absolutely and crazy. And that's because it's working, right? Yeah. Either you love it or you hate it, right? Yeah. But at some point, they can't play that forever. It's, we've heard it so many times, you know, and they're going to know when that does based on, you know, whatever key performance indicators they are. So you just yeah. want to be checking out those numbers, how many times people see it, how many people actually take action, how many people not only take action, but then buy, right? And yes. all of that through that funnel, if you're, if you're keeping up with that, you'll be able to tell. I like John that spend versus return. I got another yeah. question for you. Oh no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, there's, there's, there's gotta be common mistakes. So maybe I'm overspending and I'm getting a return. What are the popular common mistakes you see out there on the different selling platforms? Like when you're overspending? Well, I see people overspend. I'm saying is there yeah. other uh, kind of top oh, other five than type? overspending? Yeah. Do you see other kind of mistakes people are making? Yeah. I think if, if you, you want to, I think people are, are, are way too focused on attraction. Sometimes they are trying to be attractive to people and not repelling enough. Oh, interesting. There's certain, right. There's certain people I don't want, you're not going to be a good client for me. So you want to have that understanding too, and make sure that your advertising is repelling the people that it's not a good fit for. And I don't think people spend enough time on that as well. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause I, I can see that uh, if you, if you try to serve everyone, you're really serving no one. Yeah. If you speak to that Betty that you were talking about earlier, now she, she knows you're talking to her. Any other common mistakes you see when it comes to selling platforms? I mean, yeah, you gotta, you, 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 you want to know your keywords you want to make sure that your descriptions are stuffed with the keywords. It needs to be easy to read. Yeah, there you go. That's the other thing. Everything has to be at a fifth grade level. Every That's a huge. People try to always talk like they know what they're talking about way up here. And yeah. most people need to be spoken to way here. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I noticed uh, someone told me like your website should be like a billboard. When people are cruising down a highway at uh, you know seventy miles an hour, you you have about one second glimpse up there, and you got to get the message across. That's basically people saying websites for a couple of seconds before they're making a cognitive decision: should I stay or should I go? And it sounds like simple talk, clear yeah. and concise, easy and legible wins that. Anything that's you know these big artsy fartsy words, you're going to lose opportunity. Yeah. Every time, yeah. every time, 
Because, yeah. well, I mean, there. I'm sure there are. I mean, if we're talking about rocketry to rocket scientists, then that's <laughs> you know that, right. that's the one instance. You're that's right. That's the one time. Hey, why don't we do this? I, I think we got to give a big shout out to Melinda. She, she lost us due to this this horrible storm that's tearing through the Philadelphia area. Yep. Her book is Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. It's the revised and expanded edition I'm looking at right now. I just want to invite everyone that's listening live, if you're listening to the recording, I ask that you buy a copy of this book, even if you already have it, because it's a great gift. All these seasons are coming to friends, other business acquaintances, perhaps when your family's starting a business. But I'll also tell you this, if we collectively get a copy of Melinda's book now, it triggers the Amazon engines. That's how the algorithms work on all these buyer sites. If they see people buying, they start marketing it to buy more. So honestly, it will serve you. Dollar for dollar, you can't beat Melinda's book, but also it will serve Melinda. So let's do this together. I'm actually gonna buy my copy. I'm clicking on it right now. Do my it. Third copy. Oh, you know what? It's in my car. To, I got you get, you get to be on this call if you do three. Ha! I'm a little bit late. Whoops. I almost <laughs> shipped it to, to the wrong address. There, I got it. So it is officially in my car. Now, and okay, I'm gonna it. I'm gonna dovetail on that. Once you do that, just like we're talking about the Amazon, you know, triggers, mm. put in a review. Uh, we want mm -hmm. an honors review, but reviews really, really help to position books well on Amazon. So definitely do that after you buy, after you read, give Amazon a review on the book. Cool. Now, Mike, your book, come on. You're just, you know, oh, you're well, launching right now. This is my book. If, if you feel that some of the stuff I shared may serve you, this is available for you. It's also at Amazon, wherever Melinda sells her books, I'm in her coattails trying to sell mine. So whoops, you can find it on Amazon too. Um, but really, today was all about Melinda, her content. If you're looking to start a business, build a business, it's the book to get. Become your own boss in 12 months. Melinda Emerson, a personal friend of both of ours, just yep. an extraordinary human being, someone who knows her shit. Yeah, we love you, Melinda. All right, John. Take care. See you, Melinda, hey. if you see this. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.